Are you underutilizing one of the most powerful restaurant marketing tools on the planet? What do 92 million monthly Yelp searchers see when they land on your page? Is your content accurate and attention grabbing? Are you using every conversion tool possible to set yourself apart? Yelp is here to help. Go to restaurants.yelp.com forward slash profile to sign up for a one-on-one with a specialist that will review your Yelp page and share tips to help you stand out. Again, go to restaurants.yelp.com forward slash profile to supercharge your Yelp page today. Welcome to Restaurant Marketing School. I'm Josh Kopel, a Michelin-rated restaurateur. Together with the team from Restaurantopia, we're unpacking the tools and tactics used by million-dollar marketing agencies to help you grow your restaurant. Join us daily to get a marketing tip you can use in your restaurant today. Today, we're talking about specials versus features and other ways to make money. Josh, I'm fired up about this episode because this is something I did in my previous life being a distributor sales rep, actually selling into restaurants. I got really excited about talking to a restaurateur about the difference between running a special and running a feature. Okay, so I'm going to talk a little bit about that. Anthony actually had a story. He told me once that there was a director of the health department that did a course. And one of the questions in the course was, it was a true and false. The daily special in a restaurant is often the best choice because of the freshness of the food. <laughs> and the correct answer, as most of you will know, was false. Okay. No, that's still on my quizzes. I still circulate that. My students just took it last week. So it's really, when you look at a weekday special or a weekly special, those are things that I believe are, you're trying to drive traffic. You're trying to get butts and seats. You're trying to do things, but it's probably not maybe the most profitable. You're typically discounting and you're doing those kind of things. Where you're looking at a feature or what I would like to call a weekend feature, that's something that it's more strategic. And what I mean by that is you're actually looking, you know, my entrees, what's my average gross profit in my entree category? Okay. And so let's say it's $8. How can I put features that make 10 or 11 or 12? And how can I push it up? Because there's a mentality, a subconscious mentality that when people are in your restaurant during the week, they're just, they're eating. You know, it's sustenance. They're going, they're getting a meal, whether they're going for lunch and they want speed or they're going in the evening with their family. They just need to eat. And when you get in, get out. But on the weekend, typically people are a little more relaxed. They're off work. They want to dine. They're going to spend a little bit more money. So give them the options to spend more money. Like they're coming in going, I want to spend some money with you. Give them some options to spend more money. So that's really the difference in that. So in the show notes, I'm going to put an example of what I call a category menu questionnaire. So what it is, is it basically takes every section of your menu and you're just going to need to ask yourself certain questions like, when was the last time I changed items on this menu? When was the last time I raised prices? When was the last time I did certain things in each category? And then it'll allow you to go back and get focused on where you need to do things. Because I think another thing with the local independent operators, they tend to make moves slower. It takes a long time where the national chain's doing three, four times a year menu changes, the restaurant operator like once a year is probably a great thing. So that menu category questionnaire will be in the show notes. Also, when you're doing your weekly specials to drive traffic, I think it's also good to give options. Okay. So it's okay to have the wing night. Okay. I'm going to use that as an example. But what else are you marketing on your wing night to give up people other options? Because not everybody wants the special. You know what I mean? So you've got wing night that's driving traffic. But if I'm coming in with my wife and two kids, My kids may not be eating wings. My wife may not want wings. So what are you going to do? It's as simple as offering the boneless wing, offering like a sinless or naked tender, call it like a a chicken tender. And it's still in the same theme because you have the sauces for the wings. So you're like, okay, you don't have to do the wings. We got boneless wings. We've got sinless tenders. You could do breaded shrimp, same sauce. You could do deep fried pierogies, believe it or not. The new cauliflower wings. 
those are cool. And I think that's a vegan option that a lot of people are really getting on board with. Yeah. And then look at those items and where can you have some more profitability in marketing those other options within there? Because, and I'll also put this in the show notes as well. I've built a worksheet that basically shows if you're doing a wing night, what your potential profitability is. But if you can convert 10, 20, 30% over to other options that are a little more profitable, what that can drive to the bottom line of the restaurant weekly and annually. Dave, I lived with a special board at the better end of my career. From a chef's standpoint, it was always such a pain in the ass. Because I'd be like, oh no, what's the special tonight? Oh shit, I got some grouper left over. I got this sauce. This is our special. I looked at a- Freshness. I mean, you're focused on freshness. That's all, yeah, 100%, but- right? Or maybe an outlet. But I had it completely backwards. I had no idea how powerful my special board could be. It, it became a chore as opposed to a, a leveraging tool for test marketing or trying to stretch my gross profit a little bit or testing my market elasticity, all these things, or even new dish concepts. Will my customers care if it's plated better and more expensive? Like, will they still buy it? Because- I don't know, but there's one way to try out that's very low expense and very low consequence. And that's your special word. And the strategy behind that, like if you don't know that your average gross profit is $9 and you're putting something on a busy Friday night that makes seven, that's driving everything down. There's no reason to do that. The people, they're willing to come in, they're willing to spend the money. Can I ask the two experts in the room, is the special board really just there to clean up your sins on ordering or no? Yeah. To answer that question, and I think it's an important thing to bring up is... It really depends on if you get ahead of it, right? Because it can be a weapon. It can be a tool that you can use to market. Great example. If you know what your special is going to be on Friday night, two weeks from now, what you can do is you can send out to your newsletter audience the opportunity to come to a tasting for 10 people to try Friday special on Thursday, right? Now, in exchange for having them come in and try that, a sample with maybe you bring in a wine vendor to do a quick pairing. The whole event takes 20 minutes. You make sure that everybody takes photo, everybody posts it to social. And now you have built in marketing for that special. The real missed opportunities for me are on peak because every other night of the week, you're trying to convince people to leave their house. Whereas when you focus on trying to drive as much on peak traffic as you possibly can, you're convincing people that are already out to choose you. And I think there's a huge differentiator there. And so even though it does seem like an overwhelming and impossible task, like if you can get ahead of these things, you have the opportunity to really monetize them. Yeah, man, to your point, like it's going to be real hard to get me off the couch for some scallops. They'd have to be like the best looking scallops I've ever seen for me to get up, get dressed, go out and that sort of thing. It's just it's not natural, right? I love what you just said there, Anthony. I think to get you up off the couch, you have to be cognitive of the post-pandemic mindset. Everyone has sweatpants on right now, like to go out, to engage. I know a lot of restaurateurs that their dining rooms are empty and their sales are up, but people are getting all to go. So to actually have people engaging in, we used to always call it conversation and just actually looking at someone across the table. As, oh, as opposed I remember to, that. Yeah, as, as opposed to in, in front of a digital device, unless it's a podcast, then it's okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but to actually engage with someone, go out, break bread with somebody, like, it takes a little bit of extra motivation. So to have that marketing and that forethought to push that campaign out there and say, these aren't just regular scallops. These are going to be the best scallops you've ever had. These are life-changing and this is worth coming out and you should celebrate and have a call to action where take your spouse out to dinner. You have not left the house in six months. Take her out to dinner. It's Tuesday. Do something special. Be different. And I think you need that call to action. Yeah, no, I couldn't agree more. And so two final things on the making more money pro tips. So the restaurateurs that have 95 at the end of their menu price, move it to 99, move it to the whole number. It's four or five cents. Doesn't seem like a big deal, but 
Nine ninety five is ten dollars. Space, right? Yeah, nine ninety five is ten dollars. You know what I mean? So just make the move when you're doing your menu. You'd be surprised at how many items that four cents times those items times fifty two weeks is a decent amount of money. The other thing, leave your drink prices off the menu. Then if you want to move them ten cents, you move them ten cents. Somebody's coming in and buy Coke. They're not looking at a dollar ninety five or two oh five. Right. They're ordering Coke. They're not looking at the it price. It certainly doesn't play into the buying decision. Correct. Yeah. So your menu is your biggest marketing piece. Use that to your advantage in those things. And Anthony actually has a great story about a coffee, a local place with coffee that they raised the price on coffee and it was like 40 grand. And they were worried about the one guy that comes in every day and orders coffee. Yeah. They had to really raise their prices in about eight years. So a lot of my consulting is done with pricing courage and getting the independence to feel better about themselves and, and charge more. And this is just a little mom and pop greasy spoon out in the middle of nowhere. They had one guy named Earl, and they were really concerned about Earl coming in every day and ordering his two eggs, toast, and coffee. It was they were charging like a buck thirty nine for coffee or something. It's like, hey, it's two thousand and twenty. Uh, you can charge about two fifty for that. And they're like, no, we can't do that. And it's kind of like, well, listen, on the path you're on, you're not going to lose Earl. You're going to lose all 15,000 of your customers. How about you raise your prices? And when Earl comes in and complains, just buy Earl a cup of coffee for life. And you'll still come out way ahead. And, you know, then you can afford a manager and vacation and all these things, man. But it's incredibly important. And appreciate the nod, Dave, because that is a great real life example. And that one little thing probably changed their lives drastically. And that's a post-pandemic trick that everyone needs to look at. I would go one step further. I wouldn't raise it by the four cents. I'd raise it by a dollar. Yeah, but you're a lawyer. No, I know, but you got to be objective <laughs> in the sense of inflation is happening. Yeah. It's real. Raise your prices. The customers are not pushing back. This is going to be the one time in history that you can have pricing courage and get very little, if any, pushback. Just don't get greedy. No, no, don't get greedy. You still have to add the value and provide something amazing. But chicken is increasing in price. Beef is increasing in price. Pork is increasing in price. So you have all of your proteins and everything across the board that is increasing in price. Things are not getting cheaper. Labor is increasing. You have to pass that along to the customer or this is a hobby. You do not want to engage in a hobby. This is a business venture to make money, to support your family and increase shareholder value. So please, please, please get out there. Talk to Anthony. Research this, increase your prices. Yeah, man. And to your point, if you're unsure what the delineation between greed and pricing courage is, throw it on your special board and find out. Put a price on there and see if your customers will pay. See if they complain. Use that as your litmus test. If you want to hear previous episodes or check out our other content, go to restaurants.yelp.com forward slash marketing school. Thank you so much for listening to the show. You can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. While you're there, please leave us a review. I'm Josh Kopel, and you've been listening to Restaurant Marketing School.